Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. Hope your Thursday is going beautifully, September 28th, 2023. Great to be with you on a Thursday and every day, and a special birthday greeting for a very, very important person in my life, a dear friend and sister in the Lord, Gail Coniglio, who is my manager, my agent, my right arm, my left arm, who basically runs things at... Teresa Tamio Communications, and is such an amazing uh, sister in the Lord, amazing mom, just does a great job in everything that she touches. So happy birthday, Gail. I know how old you are, or how young you are, but I won't say it just in case. But I hope you have a great day down in Florida. I would say the Sunshine State, but right now I know you guys are getting a lot of rain. Anyway, happy birthday to Gail, a very important part of my life. And it's really important, I think, to recognize those who are close to us and just to give them, you know, a hug, whether it be on a birthday or any other day, because time flies so quickly. And oftentimes we don't take the time to thank and tell those we love that we love them and that we appreciate them. So there you go. All right, coming up on the program, we are going to be having a dynamic conversation, as we always do with the one, the only Father Mitch Pacwa. And we do a segment with him every Thursday, if you're a new listener, called Cultural Connections. And today I'm going to have Father Mitch with his esteemed knowledge and his big brain talk about the Synod, which is coming up. It starts, as Joan Lewis mentioned here on this very program yesterday, it starts next week. There's a lot of discussion, a lot of stories floating out there. Who's saying what to whom? What does it mean? Who's participating? What kind of a significance is it in terms of those who are participating? And at the end of the day, how do we flush all of this out as lay Catholics? What do we walk away with? So, uh, I mean, that's a lot to cover in one segment. Those are some of the questions that we'll address. Now, this won't be the first discussion that we have on the Synod. This is just starting it out because it is beginning next week. So I thought it would kind of get us in preparation so we can join in prayer for all those taking part and for the Holy Father, of course. And there's going to be a big prayer event in the Vatican this weekend, praying for those gathering for the Synod. So Father Mitch is right off the top, at least after the news and the weather and whatnot. And then we're also going to be talking with Logan Church, who's a political director of Catholic Vote, regarding efforts on the part of the Biden administration and his, the president and his HHS, or Health and Human Services staff, to remove gendered words from various laws. What does that mean? What does that look like? What's happening? Where are they going with this? Well, Logan is an expert in this topic, and she'll be joining us to discuss all of this plus you on a Thursday. So what does the weather look like for today across the country? Well, a lot of rain. We still have heavy rainfall potential for parts of southern New England and Florida, and we have some issues coming up on both the east and the west coast. So National Weather Service saying we have persistent onshore flow that will keep dangerous surf conditions and rip currents active, especially during high tide. And this is across the coastal California areas and also the mid-Atlantic to the southeast, and that's going to be happening for the rest of the day. Then they say a wave of low pressure is forecast to bring more rainfall, and it could be very heavy in parts of New England later this week, for later today and tomorrow, and then wet conditions continuing across, as we mentioned, most of Florida, with possible flooding in the usually called, known as Sunshine State. So that's national weather across the country to let you know what's happening in your neck of the woods. Right now, three minutes past the hour, as you can imagine, a lot of news as always, especially with the debate last night. 
So let's get started. You are listening to Catholic Connection, a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN. Republican candidates with their eyes on the White House hit the debate stage last night in California. Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis is going after former President Donald Trump for his stance on abortion. In a debate on the Fox News channel, DeSantis pushing back against the claim that pro-life policies are to blame for Republican losses in the midterm elections. I think there's other reasons for that. Uh, the former president, um, you know, he's missing in action tonight. He's had a lot to say about that. He should be here explaining his comments to try to say that pro-life protections are somehow a terrible thing. DeSantis earlier this year signing a six-week abortion ban into law. In the debate on Fox News, the Florida governor also said Americans' values are extremely important. I noticed that um, there was a quote where it says every single person has purpose and worth. We're better off when everybody counts. And I think we should stand for what we believe in. The transgender issue also brought up during the debate last night. Former Vice President Mike Pence saying he will stand up for parents. We're going to stand up for the rights of parents and we're going to pass a federal ban on transgender chemical or surgical surgery anywhere in the country. We've got to protect our kids. Meanwhile, former President Donald Trump was not at the debate. He was in Detroit last night to speak to auto workers where he said the UAW's current negotiations don't mean as much as one might think. He argued regardless of the outcome of the strike, the real danger to auto workers is Joe Biden and electric vehicles. While Joe Biden and other Democrats have promoted the transition to electric vehicles, the former president said they're way too expensive and they'll cause an awful lot of job losses. The Pope naming Steubenville Bishop Jeffrey Monforton as a 23rd or 32nd excuse me, auxiliary bishop for the Archdiocese of Detroit. He will be welcomed to the Archdiocese at a Liturgy of Welcome and Inauguration coming up at 2 p.m. on November 7th at the Archdiocesan Cathedral, the Cathedral of the Most Blessed Sacrament in the heart of Detroit. As an auxiliary bishop, Bishop Monforton will be aiding the Archbishop Alan Vigneron in the pastoral care of the Archdiocese. We'll have more news on that and hopefully an interview with Bishop Monforton, who's a Detroit area native in the very near future. In other news this morning, Mark Mayfield tells us some 60% of U.S. consumers, and this is across all income levels, say they're living paycheck to paycheck. That's according to new reports from Payments and Lending Club, who found that those living paycheck to paycheck include 45% of high-income consumers who make more than $100,000 a year. About 76% of people making less than $50,000 a year reported they were barely making ends meet. The numbers are almost unchanged from last year and in line with a CNBC study that also found 6 in 10 Americans live paycheck to paycheck. Texas Governor Greg Abbott hinting that a lawsuit is coming challenging Joe Biden's immigration policy. Speaking at the Manhattan Institute, he slammed a plan to protect some Venezuelan migrants that includes work permits. There probably could not be a worse strategy than temporary protected status. More than half a million Venezuelan migrants are being... The governor saying that's a case of executive overreach and it's a magnet that is attracting more people to the border. Elon Musk has taken a newfound interest in illegal immigration. The tech billionaire said on his social media site X that he will visit the Texas border town of Eagle Pass to see the impact firsthand. If Elon Musk can get a message through to some congressional individuals and light the fire, well, I think that would be wonderful. 
That's Monica Weisberg, steward of the Texas Border Coalition. She's hopeful that Musk can use his platform to put a spotlight on immigration reform. Border crossings skyrocketing in both July and August with the more than 230,000 encounters marking the highest August on record. A 29-year-old Texas man is now facing life in prison on charges stemming from the deaths of more than four dozen migrants in a tractor trailer last year. Federal officials announcing yesterday that Christian Martinez had entered a guilty plea. They say he played a key role in smuggling at least 66 illegal immigrants from the Texas border city of Laredo in the 18-wheeler. That trailer was later found abandoned in San Antonio with 48 migrants inside. Five more died at the hospital. And authorities on both sides of the border say they are increasing enforcement against human smuggling during the current surge. U.S. Border Patrol says American and Mexican authorities have intensified their efforts to fight human trafficking near San Diego and Tijuana. Agents add there will now be mirrored patrols on both sides of the border, and the two countries are also adding resources and sharing information. With less than a week before a lapse in federal funding that would shutter a host of government services, reporter Aaron Rial looks at what these repeated government shutdowns end up costing taxpayers. The last three government shutdowns combined cost taxpayers nearly $4 billion, including about $338 million in things like administrative fees for extra work, lost revenue, and late fees on interest payments. This is according to a 2019 report by a subcommittee of the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee. The report, which looked at shutdowns that occurred in 2014, 18, and 19, found that the cumulative number of furloughed days represented about 56,000 years of lost federal worker productivity. Maryland Senator Ben Cardine officially taking over as chair of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. This comes after New Jersey Democrat Bob Menendez stepping aside than the role after he was indicted on federal bribery and fraud charges. Under the rules, any senator charged with a federal crime must step aside from leadership positions, but can be reinstated if they're cleared of those charges. Menendez denying any wrongdoing and has resisted calls from members of his own party to step down as a senator. Mark Mayfield tells us Michigan State University officially firing head football coach Mel Tucker. The university began the process to fire Tucker for cause last week as he's under investigation for a sexual misconduct complaint. Tucker had been suspended without pay since September the 10th and was informed about the school's intent to fire him on September the 18th. An investigation into the complaint filed by sexual assault awareness speaker Brenda Tracy was opened in December of last year. In a statement last week, Tucker and his lawyers called the school's intent to fire him unjustified for several reasons. A new report says retailers lost over $112 billion last year because of theft and lost inventory. The latest retail security survey by the National Retail Federation saying the average rate of shrink in 2022 up 1.6 percent from the previous year of 2021. Now shrink is the difference, they say, between the inventory a store has on its balance sheet and its actual inventory. The report comes as a growing number of retailers are seeing an increase in organized retail crime. Rory O'Neill tells us North Korea will be expelling the American soldier who crossed into the isolated nation earlier this summer. It's still unclear exactly when Private Travis King will be expelled from North Korea. King was taken into custody in July when he bolted across the DMZ during a tour. King had faced a series of disciplinary issues while stationed in South Korea, According to North Korean state media, King claimed he had fled to that country to escape inhuman maltreatment and racial discrimination. 
One year ago, Hurricane Ian slamming into southwest Florida, making landfall near Fort Myers and in Charlotte County. Local emergency managers say the struggles are ongoing, even as they prepare for future storms. Sarasota County emergency management officials say much of the county is still dotted with blue tarps and other signs of Ian's destruction. More than 150 Sarasota County households, they say, are still using temporary housing because of the storm, and even local government buildings still show damage in need of great repair. Meanwhile, four weeks after Hurricane Adalia and the state-backed citizens' property insurance is already paying out its affected customers. As of yesterday, we've received only a total of about 2,384 claims. Uh, of those, 49% have been closed. Most of these claims come from Pinellas, Taylor, and Pasco counties. CEO Tim Sierro says while devastating to the victims, citizens fared well with a lack of a number of claims. That means all homeowners insurance customers in the state won't be hit with an emergency assessment. And the House is voting to overturn the White House's crackdown on shooting in archery sports courses in schools. A 424-1 vote approved the Protecting Hunting Heritage and Education Act. The Department of Education withheld funds for schools, hunting, and archery programs. Tennessee Republican Mark Green introducing the bill last month, telling Fox News Digital after this week's vote that hunters and fishers are the best conservationists, adding that in a statement, students should be encouraged to take part in enriching activities. Nelly Rodriguez says, look up, the last supermoon of 223 is happening. The harvest supermoon, to be exact. Award-winning astronomy educator Kyle Jeter explains how perigee plays into it, perigee being the point in the orbit of the moon at which it's nearest to Earth. If you're somebody that really looks at the moon a lot, it's noticeable. It is noticeable when the moon is closer to perigee, therefore it's a little bit bigger in the sky, a little bit bigger to our eyes, and therefore a little bit brighter. If Mother Nature cooperates, we'll be able to enjoy it all tonight and tomorrow morning, plus a clear viewing of Saturn, Jupiter, and Mercury. If you miss this harvest supermoon, however, your next chance won't come until September 18th next year. It is a Thursday. It's September 28th. Thanks so much for tuning in to EWTN, Global Catholic Radio Network. This program is co-produced by EWTN and Ave Maria Radio. Great resources online. Check it out, EWTN.com and AveMariaRadio.net. The Synod, next week. So what does it mean? What are we to take from it? We will discuss with Father Mitch Pacwa from EWTN, of course, our cultural connections on a Thursday. We'll be right back. The wisdom of Mother Angelica. And we need to pray for all our world leaders and all those who are in such danger. See, in a day and age where people are getting further away from God, you get further away from goodness. Only God is good. You remember what our Lord said one day? Why do you call me good? He said, only God is good. Only God. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and lighthouse work. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. This Ave Maria radio program is brought to you in part by Fathom Events. The new feature film, Mother Teresa and Me, is in theaters for one night only, Thursday, October 5th. 
Mother Teresa and Me weaves together the stories of two women, Mother Teresa, who served the poor with love amidst her dark night of the soul, and Kavita, a young woman who is searching for love while struggling with her unexpected pregnancy. Information at FathomEvents.com. That's FathomEvents.com. This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile, everyday living, effortless giving. CharityMobile.com. If you're a regular listener or viewer of EWTN, he really needs no introduction, but if you don't know who he is, you need to. He's a regular host of many shows, and he's a scripture scholar, he's an author, a speaker, and just an amazing priest, and that's why we have him on every week on this program for Cultural Connections, one the only Father Mitch Pacwa. So, Father, next week we have the Synod on Synodality. The National Catholic Register has some terrific stories on this and they'll have special coverage, and so will EWTN News Nightly. I'm sure you'll be discussing it on your shows, as we will on ours, the world over, at EWTN News In-Depth, Catholic News Agency, et cetera, et cetera. But sometimes this can be very overwhelming for the average like Catholic, because there's been a lot of coverage, not just in the Catholic world, but outside in the secular media, where the media mm-hmm. want to make it seem as if everything is going to change at the end of October. We're going to have women priests and female deacons and blessing this and blessing that. But what actually is a synod? What's it all about? Kind of walk us through this for starters. Okay. First of all, a synod is a meeting of bishops. That's all the synod means. And synods have been held in the church over the millennia. And you can read about some of the very important synods, like this. Uh, I don't know if you know about the Synod of Elvira. Uh, This is one of the synods that called for the celibacy of the clergy in the Western Church. Um, There are a variety of other synods that have been uh, called. Uh, As a matter of fact, it was a synod at Carthage that gave its approval to the canon that we have uh, back in 392, another synod at uh, Rome in 362, and another one in Hippo in uh, 397. These were very important synods that said, these are the books of the Bible. This is what we've got. It, it you know, took until after the persecution for the bishops to find out amongst themselves what books are available. What, what did you get from the apostles? Because different parts of the church got different books, so they discussed it. And... The synods were not meeting for a number of years in the Western Church because uh, the Protestant Reformation was was a time when so many doctrines were changing among the Protestants. There were, uh, by Mm -hmm. uh, between 1517 and 1600, there were already 300 denominations. And the Church said, we have one council, that's at Trent, we're not going to have a whole bunch of councils, we're not bringing stuff up, we have to get everything settled down. So they didn't. 
uh, until Vatican I uh, in 1870. And then we had Vatican II was the next council uh, in, of course, as we all know, 90-some years later in 1962. And one of the things that Pope St. Paul VI had taught and had recognized is that it was a positive experience for the bishops to meet and discuss because, you know, we, I, I think, think back on our experience with COVID, mm-hmm. that doing Zoom meetings and having teleconferences and all that was not the same as being together in the office or at conventions and other meetings because a lot more goes on than just the business of the meeting. There are the various connections you make. You recognize who agrees with you, who's like you, who likes you, who doesn't like you. All this business goes on in personal contact. And Pope Paul VI wanted the bishops to get together and actually meet because he was impressed by the impact of the meetings during the council. So that's why he established ongoing synods. And that's, that's been the, the case. So, for instance, uh, Pope St. John Paul called synods, and he would have the synods discuss various issues from Vatican II, the documents on priesthood, religious life, and uh, marriage, and all these other very important uh, issues. And, you know, not only to, uh, certainly not to vote on the truths of our doctrine, but rather to talk amongst themselves about how do we apply this, what we see differently here at this upcoming synod is that some parts of the church are talking about, hey, we should put things up for a vote. They are taking their cue from politicians. And they're also taking a cue from a number of the Protestant churches. Uh, The Protestant churches uh, the Episcopalians, Lutherans, and others have mm-hmm. been meeting regularly and changing their doctrines, changing their morals, approving of uh, the, the Episcopalians were the first. It was at one of their synods that they approved birth control, and right. then two years later, abortion. And then they, in the mid-'70s, they approved of the ordination of women deacons uh, after it was already done, because one bishop had a daughter who was living with a lesbian friend, and the two of them said, ordain us deacons, then they'll have to do it. So he did, and then the, the bishop said, instead of saying, hey, this is invalid, they don't, didn't have that concept, so they said, well, they're ready to ordain them, I guess we'll just approve of it. The recently, the uh, 
the Methodists had voted in their synod against ordaining uh, you know, same-sex couples and same-sex uh, you know, people who are public about that. And then when somebody, when uh, one of the Western dioceses went ahead and, nom- and elected a lesbian bishop, they accepted her contrary to what they voted for because it didn't matter. They just cared, you know, they didn't know how to deal with that. What we seen as a result of these various Protestant churches having votes on doctrine as to whether our past practice and teaching is true or not. When they vote on it, the people also vote with their feet. Mm. So when the Lutheran Church... um, you know, decided to have gay marriage and all this other stuff, within a year, they lost a third of their membership. This past year, in just, I just know Alabama, half of the Methodist churches left the United Methodist Church. They voted with their feet, and they took the churches with them. Okay. And of the churches that voted to stay, they lost half or more of their congregations. And this has been this is what happened in Alabama. I've been close to a number of Methodist ministers. That voting on doctrine destroys the church because the church is built on what God teaches, not on what men and women vote right. for. And that's what we have to, I think, again, clarify, reiterate when we come back, Father. And also, people have a lot of questions about why so many members of the laity are involved in this particular synod and why some of these questions though are going to be raised even by some of the leaders in the church some of the things that you just brought up that was discussed by the protestant churches more with father mitchum we come back do you or your spouse snore but won't get help i'm chuck gatica and this is journey strong many of us go to bed and can't get a good night's sleep because we have sleep apnea Then we get excessive daytime sleepiness, fatigue, or concentration issues. Untreated, this can lead to heart failure, hypertension, and even diabetes. The first thing to do is go to a sleep doctor. The ultimate solution may be a CPAP machine. This machine provides positive pressure in our airways and alleviates the obstructive breathing issues associated with apnea. So many of us know this, but we still won't get the help we need. Here's one more reason to get your breathing fixed. A recent study indicates that the effects of sleep apnea may cause us to age the equivalent of 10 more years. Now make that appointment with a sleep doctor. For more, look for our Journey Strong tab at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. Father Benedict Groeschel. Oh, I love reverence. Wherever I go in the world, I usually go to visit the religious buildings. And no matter what I see, I see reverence. Or I've been in temples and mosques where I saw more reverence and awe of God than I see in Christian churches, even sometimes in Catholic churches. Oh, yes, let me say it. When I was a boy, Catholics were much more reverent and respectful in church. You never, ever spoke in church. I was a young priest. A man had a heart attack at the beginning of Mass. I stopped the Mass. We prayed for the man while the police were coming, the ambulance. 
They removed him from the church. He didn't die. Not one word was spoken. The police officers and the ambulance attendants who came whispered respect. I wish it were true today. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. Author, teacher, speaker, scripture scholar, EWTN host, Father Mitch Pakla, joining us on Thursdays for Cultural Connections. We're beginning our discussion today on the upcoming Synod. So, Father, thank you. You did a great job of, of laying out the difference between the Catholic meetings and the Protestant meetings and the problems that come when people vote on changing doctrines. It's, right. it's just a, a big, fat mess. But I think some of the concern, and we discussed this during the break and, and in preparation for this program today, a lot of people are seeing the headlines saying that this bishop wants to talk about married priests, female priests, female deacons, blessing same-sex unions, laity from various areas on both sides of, uh, you, you would say, the aisle in terms of you know liberal and orthodox are coming to this meeting and they're going to be discussing all sorts of things. You look at the bishops that are chosen or the, the, um, the, the religious that are chosen, you have the solid ones and you have the ones, again, that are, uh, would be considered more leading to the left on, on various issues. And so people are, are concerned. What do we make of all this and also the laity being involved, I think, in a bigger way than they ever have before? Yes, there are a, a couple things. First, I understand that laity are getting votes. That's new. Um, but laity have been present uh, for consultation because, they, you know, there, there, there are various uh, very important uh, perspectives that have to be brought in. Now, in terms of this synod, we have a special problem, namely the German church receives a lot of money from the state. They're supported by the state. People put on their income tax that they're Catholic, and a portion of their income tax goes to the church. And as a result, the church is, the, I think, the second largest employer in Germany and in Austria. And that means necessarily, uh, unfortunately, but this is the reality, many people, uh, including especially the lay people, who work in the church managing housing projects, hospitals, and so many other things, they don't have a committed Catholicism. They're taking on a job. And many of them are complaining that I don't believe what the Catholic Church says. I just am an employee. Why should I don't even believe in uh, Catholicism. But so why should I have to go along with Catholic teaching? And Catholic teaching should go along more with German uh, law and customs rather than you know what the Church says. And that's the way they place it. Well, this is not the way it works. You may be an employee of the church, and you may not have faith in Jesus Christ, and you may not believe in the church and her laws and sacraments, but we cannot change to adapt to unbelievers who happen to be employees taking care of other hospitals and stuff. Um, this is, I, I think this points out the weakness of a system that actually goes back to the Third Reich, where the church was owned uh, by the government and was a government employee, uh, you know, government funded. Uh, this is not a good thing 
It takes away our independence. And so that pressure from those lay folk who work in the church is coming to bear at this point. That's one of the big issues taking place in Germany. And that's why you hear so much from the German bishop uh, about this and German laity and, and Austrians. Secondly, you have them looking to the Lutherans and say, well, the Lutherans have made these changes, uh, and they're, you know, they're still doing what they do. Um, so we can also consider these changes and imitate them. Problem with that is nobody goes to the Lutheran church anymore in Germany. They mm-hmm. Again, their people have walked. If the Lutheran bishops and leadership don't believe in Lutheran doctrine, neither do we. And if the Catholic bishops were to agree with that as well, the people would say the same thing. If you don't believe in Catholicism, and if you don't believe that it is true, then neither will we. See ya, don't want to be ya. That will Mm -hmm. be the approach. And uh, this is what, exactly what has happened with uh, our own sex abuse crisis. P- priests and bishops did not believe Catholic teaching on issues of sexual morality, so they voted with their feet and left. This is where we have to say, no, we believe the truths of Christ and his church, and I conform my life to that. I don't conform the church to the world. So what's the point of, what's the point of, and I don't mean to interrupt, but I want to get this question in. We only have three three minutes left. I want your opinion on this with your expertise. What is the point then of all these bishops and lay people and priests coming in and talking about the issues that we mentioned, uh, so-called same-sex blessings and and female priests and female deacons, if they know that the doctrine can't be changed, especially the the, the situation with priests, because that door was closed, Paul VI, and then John John Paul Mm -hmm. II affirmed it, and even Pope Francis affirmed that 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 can't right. be changed. Do, are they just talking about it to bring it up in hopes of promoting change or to help people deal with why the church cannot do this? Because there seems to be an awful lot of emphasis on change, change, change. Yep, and I believe that these are there are two elements in these folks. One, they accept a, an evolutionary idea of all life. And they believe that the church should evolve to where they are. They see themselves as the uh, cutting edge of evolution. And they want to get to that point where everybody agrees with them. And so they've taken a political gambit uh, by that. And that's the second part. They are more highly politicized then uh, faith filled. And if you see that politics is more important than faith, you will try to make a political gambit, uh, just the way we saw, you know, for instance, in this country, the Democratic Party was in favor of abortion. They kept at it, kept at it, kept at it, kept at it, until they got it. And now they're in panic that they lost it so, uh, in the Supreme Court. This kind of persistent political gambit fits 
they're the mentality of many of the people who are pushing for these changes because they think it is the cutting edge of evolution. We have to do this for the planet, for the church's future, and all that. Meanwhile, the reality is when you make these changes, the church has no future. Ask mm-hmm. the Episcopalians. There are more than four times as many Jewish people living in New York City as Episcopalians in the whole country. You cannot change your doctrine. You cannot leave bishops who deny the creed in place, who deny their morals in place, who go around blessing Planned Parenthood clinics, as the Bishop of New Hampshire did. This is something that uh, the, the Episcopal Bishop had we can't have that. We have to say, find the Jesus and his church. Amen. Father, thank you so much. Of course, we'll have more questions next week. Continue our discussion, and it begins next Wednesday. So we'll be following this right here on Catholic Connection and all of our programs and news outlets. We'll be right back on a Thursday, 36 minutes past the hour. Living the Beatitudes with Father Bjorn. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What does this strange beatitude mean? Well, Father Victor Feltz points out that George Bailey, in It's a Wonderful Life, embodies this beatitude. He has to sacrifice his bucketless items and his dreams in order to save the building and loan company of Bedford Falls. But by the end of the movie, he realizes that he's truly the richest man in town. The beatitudes challenge our understanding of happiness both as individuals and as a society. They're paradoxical and they upend our priorities. We don't need anyone to tell us that good fortune, money, and success do often make us happy. But we wouldn't have thought that the road to riches in God's kingdom is paved with meekness. It doesn't mean denying your gifts, but it does challenge us to allow others to have the spotlight and to approach them with gentleness. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. For more about the Beatitudes, visit EWTNRC.com. In Christ, we suffer. But it's a suffering that can bear much fruit. Our God can bring good out of the suffering caused by evil. God permits evil, and from the suffering caused by evil, he creates a reality greater than that which could have existed without the possibility of evil entering human experience. In Christ, suffering is fruitful. Those members of the body of Christ who are fruitless are removed. It's dead wood, and that's suffering. But even those members of the body of Christ who are fruitful are pruned, they're trimmed. Daddy squeezes and sometimes spanks in order that we would be more fruitful. Jesus again says, by this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Cresta in the afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. minutes past the hour. We'll actually just turn to 39 minutes past the hour on a Thursday morning on EWTN. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Connection. Logan Church is political director of Catholic Votes, and she's joining us today to talk about something developing in the Biden administration, the Department of Health and Human Services filing a proposal that would erase the words mother, father, paternity, and his and her 
from child care related laws. The proposal recommends a replacement of any gender specific terms with the gender neutral alternative. Logan, thanks for joining us. I know you have a lot of experience in politics and in campaigns. Give us an update. Where does this stand right now with the Biden administration? Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. So as of right now, it's an upcoming proposal. So it's yet to be officially filed. Um, but it's, we know it's coming down the pipeline because we've got, you know, all the information online. You can actually read the proposal online. So this proposal ultimately is attempting to eliminate, like you said, the words mother, father, fraternity, his, hers, from any child care related laws. So what is the what is the fallout from this? What concerns the Catholic vote the most? I mean, there's, there's a lot of things to be concerned about, but what are you seeing down the road if this comes to pass? Well, I think this is just another step in the direction where we've seen the Biden administration and the HHS attempting to, to erode any resemblance of the traditional family unit, and they continue to work against traditional family values. And I think this is just another example of that. And I feel like this is a good example of them laying the groundwork for where they continue to push the very aggressive LGBTQ plus agenda leaving mothers, fathers, and women and men in, in the in the way side. What do you think with your background in politics is the obsession with this, with this gender ideology? Because this seems to be taking over everything. Right. So, you know, I would say it really comes from their attempt to normalize something that should not be normal. You know, 10 years ago, we would never have been having these conversations. But now they have this obsession with trying to make it seem as if it's normal and force it on our children and our children's children. I truly do believe that that's what's at risk here. So in terms of the, of the process, how is this working through the system and is this going to be voted on? What's the next step? Where do we stand with this? It's in the proposal stage right now, correct? Correct. So once it's officially proposed, it'll have to go through the hearing period, which is where you guys will definitely hear from us when we talk about asking people to stand up and submit comments because they are required to, to review any and all individual comments once it goes through the, through the process. So the next step, there will be more tangible things for us to do to fight against this. Um, and comments are a great way to hold up something like this just long enough to either, A, we make it to the presidential election and it gets dropped, or B, we make it so difficult that it doesn't end up passing. I guess I'm just trying to figure out why they have to, why they have to remove all of these names and, and, and titles. Why is that so offensive to them or those behind this effort? You know, it's so insane to me and many others, I'm sure, who are listening, that there is a minority here who want this type of action. And for some reason, there seems to be a movement where we make the minority's wishes the majority. It's so crazy to me because we've seen this with other HHS mandates, and we've seen this with just the movement as a whole, where we, as women especially, should be very offended, whether that's women in sports, mothers being trying to be reclassified as birthing people or breastfeeding people, and now fathers. So you can't even use the word paternity. It needs to be parentage. Um, I, I don't know how to wrap my head around it because it, it seems mentally ill to me. You've been working on campaigns and in politics for a long time. I, I, you mentioned something earlier that I think is, is, and I totally get it and totally agree, is that we never would have thought anything like this would be even possible, let's say, even something as, as short as 10 years ago. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think the slippery slope has been moving a lot faster in recent years, and maybe we can attribute that to social media and 
you know, the, the methods to get out on campaigns um, advancing so quickly. But it's very concerning. You know, it wasn't that long ago that there was an uproar to even allow the erosion of traditional marriage. And now we're having conversations about removing terms like mother and father from legislation. I, I mean, it's hard to even know what's next with how quickly we've fallen, what next are they going to push? Yeah, because this proposal is recommending a replacement of any gender-specific term with a gender-neutral alternative. The unpublished document states this proposed regulation aligns with Joe Biden's executive orders addressing how the federal government should pursue a comprehensive approach to advancing equity for all, including members of the LGBTQ communities. So they're saying that if we don't change this, we're not treating people of the LGBT community uh, fairly, which to me doesn't make sense because they're protected under law in, in, in many, many ways. Mm-hmm. We don't discriminate. The Catholic Church talks about that. We don't discriminate. We don't hate. We love everyone. But we're eliminating then a whole group of people. Right. And I think this kind of feeds back into the idea that there was a time where the LGBT movement was about love is love and that was their whole argument but now it you have to accept everything about their movement or else you're a bigot and that's just so far removed from the america that we were intended to be so what else can we do because this is something that unless groups like you are bringing into our attention that's not published and, and, and ha- it's moving forward but it seems to be something that's behind the scenes and all of a sudden this stuff is on top of us what can the average lay Catholic who's concerned about this agenda, Logan, do to kind of put the brakes on here? Is that even possible at this point? Yeah, so I would definitely recommend getting plugged in with Catholic Vote. You can find us at CatholicVote.org. We're always on the front lines of these battles. This is not the first time that we've gone head-to-head with HHS and the Biden administration. You can trust me on that. Um, and stay plugged in because we will have action items for people as soon as it's time to go. Um, and so just... I would really encourage people, this stuff is really difficult, it's really heavy, it's really, really hard to keep your head up when you're listening to these things, but don't tune it out, don't keep your head down. Stay plugged in and stay aware to what's happening, because like I said, it's not just how it's going to affect our children, but it's how it's going to affect our children's children, and it's important that we take a stand now. So stay in tune with Catholic Vote. We're going to have a lot of things coming down the pipeline for you guys to get involved with this. Yeah, I want to. I wanted to give a quote from one of your apologists through Catholic Vote, and says LGBTQ apologists have always assured us that their policy positions will only lead to a more inclusive and more kindness toward persecuted minorities. But moments like this should serve as a wake-up call for Catholics. Our leaders have warned since before the redefinition of marriage in Obergefell that these piecemeal democratic moves against a family would lead to an assault on our most basic beliefs and even on our children. The Biden administration is proving they were right all along. What's your reaction to that statement? I think that's very, very powerful. Yeah, so that that came from um, one of our team members, and he's always Mm -hmm. had a way with words, but... Um, yeah, I think it's absolutely true. I think this is important that Catholics see this as a wake-up call um, because this has, you know, in the beginning, and this is something we talk about a, a lot of Catholic vote, and I think he's touching on this here. In the beginning, when everything was coming down the pipeline almost 10 years ago, you know, it was always, this isn't going to affect you. This isn't about you. This is about just letting people who love each other get married. This won't change your life at all. And a lot of people try to say, no, you've redefined marriage and you're going to change a lot of things for us. And the argument kept holding firm, it's not going to affect your life. And yet here we are, nearly 10 years later, 
and it's drastically affecting our lives. And it's, I, I truly believe that it's coming directly from that decision. How do you think this could affect parents in the future if this goes through, Logan? Well, there's been a continuation of attacks on parental rights. We've seen it on the state level and on the federal level with issues like this. I think this is just another step in the direction of eroding any resemblance of parental rights we have left here in this country. Um, whether that's, you know, we see attacks on where parents can take their kids to school, to even knowing what their kids are being taught in school. And in some states like Ohio and Michigan, parents are possibly losing the right to even have a say in whether or not their kids get abortions or sex change surgeries. And now we can't even call them mother or father or parent. You know, we have to stick to parents. We can't even say his or her. So I think this is all intertwined into one big movement to attack parental rights. And the government's trying to parent our children, and we should be very scared by that. So is there anything we can do right now because it's come before this comes up for a hearing? Um, honestly, I, we expect you to come down the pipeline very, very quickly. Um, I would say plugged in and pay attention to when it's coming because the minute it hits, we're going to need thousands and thousands of comments um, to prevent it from going through. So Any idea when that might be? Right. Like you said, quickly, like next month, I mean, before November, what do you think? What's, what's your gut telling you on how quickly you're going to see this, do you think? We could see it in the next month for sure. Wow. Wow. Well, well, we are glad you brought it to our attention. Go ahead, finish. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I do want you to, to know that even though it comes on the pipeline doesn't mean that it's going to go into enactment anytime soon because, like I said, they are legally required to, to review every individual comment. So we can, I mean, I've seen these things held up for months and months on end. So there is hope for us. Well, there's always hope, and we're so grateful for ministries like yours. Logan, thank you so much. Appreciate this update. We've been chatting with Logan Church, political director of CatholicVote.com, talking about something that, as she said, is coming down very, very quickly, probably within the next month, and we need to speak out about this. This is the Biden's HHS, that's Health and Human Services, moving to remove gendered words from laws. Yeah. The proposal recommends a replacement of any gender-specific terms with a gender-neutral alternative. The unpublished document states, among other things, as we mentioned, but just a reminder is why you need to know about this and speak up with your representative. This proposed regulation aligns with Joe Biden's executive orders addressing how the federal government should pursue a comprehensive approach, they say, to advancing equity for all including members of the LGBTQ community. So we'll keep you updated on this. Thanks to the folks at CatholicVote.com. Logan Church, again, political director for Catholic Vote. Almost 51 minutes past the hour. We'll be right back on a Thursday morning edition of Catholic Connection to let you know what's coming up on a Friday. Stay tuned. More EWTN Radio on the way. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's Choice in Senior Home Care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. 
You can learn more about the Ave Maria Mutual Funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. The first annual Dominican Rosary Pilgrimage sponsored by the Dominican Friars Foundation will take place on Saturday, September 30th at the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. This all-day event will feature conferences by Father Gregory Pine, resuscitation of the rosary, a fervorino by Father Lawrence Liu, and mass with Father James Brent as homilist. Join us for this day of prayer to Our Lady. For more information, visit rosarypilgrimage.org. That's rosarypilgrimage.org. This Ave Maria radio program is brought to you in part by Fathom Events. The new feature film, Mother Teresa and Me, is in theaters for one night only, Thursday, October 5th. Mother Teresa and Me weaves together the stories of two women, Mother Teresa, who served the poor with love amidst her dark night of the soul, and Kavita, a young woman who is searching for love while struggling with her unexpected pregnancy. Information at FathomEvents.com. That's FathomEvents.com. Fifty-two minutes past the hour. Welcome back. Wrapping up a Thursday morning edition of Catholic Connection. September 28th, the feast or the memorial of St. Wenceslas. It's an interesting story there. And the detail of his life and problems with the family. You think you have family problems? Read about his life. His brother actually killed him. And when his brother was killing him, he said, may the Lord forgive you. Wow. Quite a story. They had a brief summary in the Magnificat today. Very, very eye-opening about what our saints have gone through. And that's why they are such great witnesses for us in heaven, the great cloud of witnesses. Okay, coming up tomorrow, Doug Keck is joining us for our Inside Word. Now, as we mentioned with Father Mitch Pacwa, we have the Synod coming up next week. So EW Chan is going to have extensive coverage on that. Obviously, on Catholic News Agency, The Register, EW Chan News Nightly, In-Depth, The World Over with Raymond, Crest in the Afternoon, Catholic Connection. Our shows will be covering it. But also... The news coverage in terms of the breaking news and the live reports, super important to stay tuned. And Father Mitch Pacwa will be explaining more with us as well in terms of what does this mean? I think he did a great job of kind of laying it out, the history of the synods. What is a synod? What are we doing with this synod? What does it mean? And what has happened in other churches when they decide just to vote on the flavor of the day? right? It's destructive, very destructive as Father outlined. So we'll continue our talk about the Synod with Doug Keck in terms of the coverage that's coming up, which will be very, of course, insightful and extensive with a lot of work being put into the coverage. Then we'll have our Fact Check Friday, a lot of media items to discuss, and then we'll wrap up with a very uplifting story of how you can make a difference. We're going to have our friends from Cross Catholic Outreach joining us about the Box of Joy, and you can learn about the Box of Joy in terms of making a difference in some third world countries that are really, really devastated in terms of the poor. So it is going to be a jam-packed Friday. I hope you can stay tuned for our program tomorrow. And just a reminder, if you'd like to go back and listen, for example, to the interview with Father Mitch Pacwa, because I know sometimes when we think of the Synod, it can be super overwhelming. What does it mean? What's going to happen? Who's going to vote on this? Is there going to be a vote? If there is a vote, what's the fallout from that? So I would always encourage you to go back and listen to our archives, and you can simply find that by going to AveMariaRadio.net, and you just look at the various programs. For example, you see Catholic Connection or Crest in the Afternoon or The Doctor is In, and you can actually go right on that link, and you can check it out. So just something to keep in mind if you want to go back and listen or you want to share it with a friend. We always advise that because you may have heard something, you weren't sure what was said, 
we make that available for you every single day. So again, AveMariaRadio.net and EWTN.com. Again, coming up tomorrow, we will have more detail for you on the coverage of the Senate, plus also all kinds of great programming. You know what? October starts this weekend, and October is such a great month for the saints. We have St. Francis. We have St. Therese of Lisieux. We have my favorite, St. Teresa of Avila, and so much more. So in addition to all the coverage of the Synod from EW10, we'll also be talking about the lives of the saints. I'm sure there will be many a special on EW10, so make sure you stay tuned for that. Thanks for tuning in. Totally appreciate it. We are already almost on a Friday. I can't believe it. The week is moving so, so quickly, and a month is moving quickly. We are into October in what, two days, right? Yeah, October 1st is coming up. Is it Saturday? No, it's actually coming up Sunday or Monday. I can't remember. <laughs> I got to grab a calendar. Anyway, talk to you tomorrow. Have a great day on Demano. Ciao, ciao. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E-MariaRadio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.